I want us to look at Psalms 96 together this morning. I realize the challenge I have before me today, as Pastor Kevin said already, a lot of people in here didn't get all their sleep this weekend. And uh, so I realize I've got a challenge to keep some folks awake today. Now, some of you sleep every Sunday when I preach, so I, I gave up on you. I'm just like, they must need this. They must need this time. But this is what I want us to do. I want us to look at Psalms 96 together. It's going to be on the screen. And, and I want us to read it together, okay? And, and this is a psalm. This is a song. The psalms are songs like the song we just sang. And did anybody sing with enthusiasm and energy this morning besides me, okay? I know a few more of us did, okay? And, and when we come to the psalms, we should come to the psalms with that same type of energy and enthusiasm. So this is a 13-verse psalm, okay? We're going to read it from the NIV. And what I want you to do is I want you to read it with me as we read it today. And we're going to read it with energy and enthusiasm today, okay? Everybody ready? All right? Everybody awake enough to read, okay? Here we go. Let's, let's read this. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Stop. Let's give the Lord a praise offering right there just for that. Alright? We're not done yet. Go to the next one. Now, that first word is a word that I don't use ever. Ascribe. But ascribe means give credit to. Okay, I want you to know what you're reading. Give credit to. Here we go. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord for He comes. He comes to judge the earth and He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in His faithfulness. Give the Lord praise for His word today. Can somebody shout unto God this morning? Hallelujah! You may be seated. Thank you. Oh, we're beginning a series today called Sing. A series about worship. So it's going to get a little loud. There's going to be some energy and some excitement in here over the next three weeks. Okay? And you're like, isn't there always? Yes, there is. But I'm hoping we're going to get a little bit deeper into that. As we see what the word says to us about worship and about singing. 
I want you to imagine for a moment a day with no singing. It's hard to imagine a day without any singing, right? Even if you're not a singer, no jingles on the radio, no singing uh, on the way to work or on the way to school, no music in your earbuds to get you going as you're working out at the gym or walking in the neighborhood, no iTunes, no soundtrack to your favorite movie. It's hard to imagine a world with no singing. And like I said, no matter if you're a singer or not, singing is a part of our lives every day. And, and I want, as we get started today, I want to kind of take a poll and see where my singers are, okay? There's all types of singers, and if you say I'm not a singer, I'm going to get you in one of these, okay? Where am I singing in the shower, people? I don't sing, I wouldn't sing up here, but I sing in the shower. You know what they say about singing in the shower? Singing in the shower is all fun and games until you get shampoo in your mouth. <laughs> then it's a soap opera. But <laughs> boom. I know. That's a bad one, right? They say never sing in the shower because singing leads to dancing. And dancing leads to slipping. And slipping mean, leads to the paramedic seeing you naked. So that's <laughs> it's not a good thing, okay? Be careful if you sing in the shower. How many hairbrush singers do I have? You know what I'm talking about? You, grab, you turn the hairbrush upside down and that hairbrush is your microphone. All right? What about... What about uh, earbud singers? Now, if you're one of these, you don't know you are. But all of us do. Because you put on the headphones and the earbuds and you are singing louder than you realize. Okay? That, that happens. What about 24-7 singers? Anybody those? I mean, from the time you get up, you're like a bird to the time you go to bed. You sing all day long. You, you're kind of like the Ella Fitzgerald of singing. You know, the great American jazz artist, Ella Fitzgerald once said this. She said, the only thing better than singing is more singing. And 24-7 singers would say that. Some of you are pretty good, quiet, uh, closet singers. And what I mean by that is you're actually a really good singer, but nobody else knows it. Your spouse might know it. And you may, your kids may know it, and those around you may know it, but you would never let us know because then you would know we would want you to be a part of what we do up here. You're kind of, and then there's the other group, and it's the Psalms 150 singers. Now, the Psalms are the largest book in the Bible. There are 150 chapters, and I don't know if it was you know, just supposed to end this way. But the last line, after all of those songs, the last line says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So for those of you who can't carry a tune in a bucket, that's for you. You're a Psalms 150 singer. So somewhere along the line, you'll find yourself in there. And so we're going to start this series over the next few weeks on worship. And we're calling it sing. And we're going to talk today about singing and what the word says about singing. But it's really a, a, a series about worship. And um, I've came across a lot of great definitions for worship through the years. But my favorite is one that I discovered probably about 10 years ago. And some of you have been around here for a long time. You've, you've heard me share this, if not in youth group. Uh, you've heard me at some point share it. But Louis Giglio has a great definition of worship. And I want, I want you to look at that with me. And Louis Giglio defines worship this way. He says, worship is our response, both personal 
and corporate, what we just did, to God for who He is and what He has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. I look at that verse in two compartments. The first compartment is the part that's the music part, you know, the part where we sing personally to God and what we just did corporately to God, responding to God. But then there's also worship, which is how we live. Even if you don't sing or, or you don't, can't play a musical instrument, the way you live your life is worship as unto God. But over this series, I'll use the word worship a lot. And most of the time in this series, when I talk about worship, we're going to be talking about music. And so this morning, we're going to talk about who we worship. Next week, we're going to talk about how we worship. And the last week, we're going to talk about why we worship. So let's talk a little bit about singing this morning, okay? Now, I know some of you are great singers. I've heard you sing. Some of you... You're Psalms 150 singers, and some of you have had training before, and some of you have never had any training. And so if you've never had any vocal training, I, I want to show you this clip that kind of gives you a, an insight into what it would be like to try to improve your voice as a singer, okay? Let's take a look at this. Thank you. 
So just a little insight into, you know, what goes on there. Obviously, I don't have to say the greatest television show of all time, the greatest comedic actor of all time. If you don't watch the Andy Griffith show, get in the altar now. <laughs> there is an episode of the Andy Griffith show, by the way, when they're getting ready to go to church, and Andy is filling out a tithe envelope. I'll just leave that right there. Okay? All right? So let's talk a little bit about singing, okay? And, and Barney was kind of getting into, you know, what's important about singing. But um, when we sing, there's a lot of health benefits to singing that you may not know about. And there's a website that's out there I came across this week uh, from the Barbershop Harmony Society. I know y'all go to that website all the time, you know, like as much as you do Amazon, right? But they talk about some of the benefits, the health benefits to singing, okay? How many people want to be more healthy, all right? Everybody. And singing will help you. Listen to this. Scientists say that singing boosts the immune system. Singing releases endorphins into your system and makes you feel energized and uplifted. People who sing are healthier than people who don't. Singing gives the lungs a workout. Singing tones abdominal muscles. Some of y'all are trying to do crunches. You just need to sing more. Okay? Singing makes us breathe more deeply. Uh, singing improves your mood. It releases the same feel-good brain chemicals as sex and chocolate. It is very effective as a stress reliever and improves sleep. It, singing, release pain, uh, singing releases pain-relieving endorphins, helping you to forget a painful tooth or knee or back. Your posture improves. Singing clears your sinuses. It makes you more alert. It tones your face and, and it, your confidence increases. And singing can help prolong your life. What does singing not do? I mean, singing is the answer, it sounds like, from that, uh, from that study. Now, if, if we all sing at some point or another, even if we wouldn't consider ourselves a singer, i got to think about what is the most sung song on the planet? Don't answer out loud, but I want you to think and get an answer in your mind. What do you think is the most sung song on the planet? Think about that for a moment. And for this song to work, we've got to have somebody to help us with it. And uh, Brad Thornton, I need you to stand up, okay? I'm going to start singing this song, okay? And then you're going to jump in and sing it with me, okay? All right, here we go. Because it's the most... Sung song on the planet and everybody knows it, okay? And we're singing to Brad. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Brad. Happy birthday to you. Okay? Most sung song on the planet, all right? Now... <clears throat> His birthday was two days ago, so he's the one. I looked on Facebook, none of y'all had a birthday today. So I would have called you, but he's the closest one I knew. Okay, let's try another one. Another song that everybody knows. I'm going to start it. When you know it, you sing along. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crackers. Okay, all right. You know that one, right? Okay, let's, let's go back a little bit further in time. See if anybody knows this one. 
Maybe elementary school music. If you had a good music teacher in elementary school, he or she would have taught you this song. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. These kids have no idea. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made. Okay? All right? Now, Joe, I won't ask you to stand on this one, but you'll probably get a, get a blessing when we sing this. You've got a friend in me. Come on. You got a friend in me. You know that, right? That's a Disney song, and Joe, Joe loves Disney, so I had to shout that out for him, okay? Let, let's, try, let's try another one, okay? I believe I can. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every Spread my wings and fly away. Okay, all right, let's stop right there, all right? Y'all are doing great, okay? We're going to add some of these songs in over the next few weeks, okay? Let's try another one. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. Okay, very good. Now, we're familiar with all those songs, and I just kind of wanted you to see, you know, singing is a big part of our lives. You know the ABCs likely because you learned it as a child. You know, I guarantee you there was singing at your wedding. There's singing even at funerals. Singing unites people. It gives people something to rally around. You and your spouse probably have a song that was your song. Singing tells a story. You can hear a song that you haven't heard in 20 years and it will take you back to that spot at that time when you were a teenager and you can remember all the words. Anybody else like that? It's crazy how your brain can have this, this files and files of songs and remember them, okay? But of all the things that we just sang, there's a, there's a certain thing that singing is, is reserved for on a level unlike those that gives greater value to our minds, hearts, bodies, and souls. Let's try something else, okay? We'll do a couple more songs here and then move on. Let's see if you know this one. If you know, when you know it, sing along. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, you didn't expect that one there, did you? Silent night, holy night. Come on, everybody sing. All is calm, all is bright. Let me have some harmony, altos. Round, listen to that. Mm. Holy infant. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly Did you feel the shift? There was a shift in the room when we went from singing 
just songs about life to singing a song with purpose. Did anybody else feel that besides me? I mean, I've got the goosebumps all over when, when we got into that. Amazing grace, how sweet the... Like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. As believers, we approach life with a Christian worldview. And that means that we believe that God created us, right? And God could have created our voices just to speak. But God created our voices so that we could sing. So that we could carry a melody. So that we could sing harmonies. So that our minds would process those things as a human being puts them on a page with notes. And we can turn that into what just happened in the room when you sang that. And here's the reason why that happened. See, God, when He created us and said, I'm not just going to create you to be able to speak. I'm going to create you with the ability to sing. He did that because He created us in His own image. The first chapter, Genesis 1.27 says, God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. So if we're created in God's image, does that mean that God sings? Absolutely. Zephaniah 3.17, look at this. I know you read Zephaniah all the time, right? The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you, look at it, but will rejoice over you with... And why does He rejoice over us in singing? Look at that third line, because He takes great delight in you. God looks at you... And He takes delight in you, and I believe He delights in you if you are a sinner or a saint because He doesn't see you as you are. He sees you as He wants you to be. That's why He went to the cross is because on the cross, He died knowing that His sacrifice could turn our lives upside down. So He takes so much delight in us that He sings over us. That's awesome. Now... I want you to think about this, okay? Back in June, we did a series called A Way Out. We did a series on temptation. And in that series, I shared a quote with you from Martin Luther, where Martin Luther said, To be close to God, you need three things. I don't know if anybody remembers them, but one of them was prayer, speaking to God. The second is meditation, hearing from God. And the third was temptation, drawing near and close to God. Okay? I want to talk about that in, in just a second, but I want, to, I want to mention another quote to you. And I don't know, some of you probably come from a Catholic background, I'm not sure. Uh, in this room, I'm sure there's probably several people who come from a Catholic background. And if you do, you'll recognize this because in the catechism of the Catholic Church, there's a quote 
from St. Augustine, where St. Augustine said this, He who sings prays twice. That's a powerful quote. And here's what that means. It, it means that when we sing, we're doing what Martin Luther talked about. We're praying. I don't know if you ever noticed this before, but a lot of times the lines you sing when you're singing are, are prayers unto God. Anybody ever thought about that before? And then you're also meditating on the Word because as you sing, you're, you're thinking about what the Word says. And I can assure you that any song we bring in this room to you to sing is on that screen. It's a song that will be based on the Word. It will be the Word looking right back down at you from the screen. It will be the Word that we sing. So here's what happens when we sing... Alright, plug your brain in. If you're asleep, wake up, okay? Because this is, this is key right here. When we sing, we're praying and we're meditating. We're taking, talking to God prayer, hearing from God the Word, and then we're adding this thing that God created us to be able to do, to add melody to words. And that's why Augustine says, He who sings prays twice. One prayer is the words we say. The other prayer is the melody we make when we sing. That's powerful. And, and that goes right along with, if you say, well, that's Augustine and that's Luther. What does the word say? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Because in Colossians 3.16, this is what Paul said. He said, look, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. What's that next word? Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now when you look at that verse, he says, let the message of Christ, let the word of God dwell in you as you teach and admonish one another. Now how do you teach and admonish one another? Through what? Are you looking at the screen? Through what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So what that tells me is this, that when we're singing we're teaching one another and we're teaching ourselves the Word of God through song. And I love the part where it says to one another. And that's what's so important about whenever we're singing together. I love it when we have what we just did and what we did earlier this morning. When we all learn a song and we're singing it together and we can hear each other. What we're doing together is we are admonishing one another. And we are, we are encouraging one another through our singing. I'll jump on the soapbox. I was on it a little bit last week. And I know this is the wrong crowd to say it to because you're here. But it's important to be in church. Every Sunday, unless you're taking a vacation. Because the Word says we need to be together. We need to be encouraged and admonished as we sing and we worship together. If you've ever wondered, why do we have so much singing in the church? There it is. Paul tells us that it's not just about the word you hear like I'm preaching right now or the word you get when you're in a small group. The word of God goes forth while we're singing. Our songs are full of the word of God. Many songs are taken straight from Scripture. So it's important that we sing. It's important that we come together and sing. And here's the thing. This is what I said a while ago, okay? When we moved from Take Me Out to the Ball Game and Jingle Bells to silent night, and to amazing grace, what was the word I used? There was a shift, okay? There's a shift, and that's the B 
biggest part of this message. I, I hope every one of us, even those of us who are fully engaged in our relationship with God, I hope we all get a light bulb moment today to realize that when we sing, who we sing to, when we sing to God, it's a huge shift from singing 80 songs in our car or singing happy birthday or, or singing a love song to our spouse or whatever it is. There is a huge shift that takes place because whenever I begin to engage in worship through singing with God, I am connecting to a power source and I'm, I'm connecting to the Word, and I'm, and I'm connecting to the eternal God and Father who wants to, as I focus my attention on Him, He wants to do something in me. So I want to show you something, okay? And, th and this is, this is going to count. It, it, even as I came up with it, I'm like, this kind of sounds weird. It, it's almost like you got to think about it too much, which is not good on the morning when we got people who are sleepy and tired. But, but I need everybody to sit up again, okay? Dial back in, all right? Because I want you to get this next part. Two words here. Content and context, okay? If you fall asleep or, 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 or dial out here, you're going you're gonna to be lost for the next five minutes, okay? Content means the subject or topics covered. The content of a class you're taking at school, okay? The content of a book. Context means the circumstances or facts that surround a particular event or situation. So, in the, in the idea of what we're talking about this morning with singing, the content of our singing is the Word of God. Can I get an amen right there? Okay? The context, when I begin to sing the Word, I sing it in the context of the particular situation that I'm going through in life, okay? Anybody ever go through something in life and a song means something different to you in one stage of life than it did in another? Okay? It's because in that context, the content has a different meaning because of what you're going through. Now watch this, okay? When we begin to sing and our focus on who we worship, watch this. Content plus context equals contact. Tweetable right there. If y'all tweeting, that's it. Content plus context equals contact. Because watch this. This is what the Word says, all right? I'm going to give you some scriptures. Rapid fire. Ba 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 ba. All right, here we go. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 4.15. Paul says, he's talking about what should happen in worship, okay? And he says, what shall I do? I will pray with the Spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my Spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Paul is saying that we shouldn't just get so out there in our singing that we lose, we lose the connection point of who we're singing to and what it's all about. He says, when I sing, I'm going to sing with my spirit, but there's an understanding, there's a cognitive part of singing unto God that makes the connection, okay? You got that? Look at this, Psalms 138.1 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart before the gods, I will sing your praise. The content and the context equals contact. So he says the contact point for that verse is with all my heart 
before all the other gods, before the, all the other things that the world says I should bow my knee to, all the other gods that, that try to get my attention, the psalmist says, I'm going to praise you with all my heart. And when I praise the Lord with all my heart, there is a contact that takes place. Psalms 104 verse 33 says, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to God as long as I live. As long as I breathe, the psalmist says, I'm going to sing. Look at this, Psalms 95.1. He says, come. Come is a what? It's an invitation. The psalmist says, come. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. That's what I want to say to you every Sunday morning. All right, Every one of you, and those of you who are watching on live stream, out of town or catching up later, come. When we come in this place, let us come, let us shout for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And here's the last one right here. Worship the Lord with what? That means there should be a what on your face? A smile. Come before Him with what kind of songs? Joyful songs. That's why He's cranking that guitar over there. That's why the drums are loud. Because it's supposed to be joyful. This is not a funeral. We're not here to celebrate a dead God. It's, it is. So when I take the content of the word in the context of what's going on, there's going to be a connection that takes place, okay? And contact, right? Let me give you another one. Look at this one, all right? Here's another math problem. Content plus contacts equals confidence. Oh, listen at this, all right? Jeremiah 20, 13 says, Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. And when you sing, looking at this, he rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. He says, when I sing to the Lord, I sing because I have confidence that he's going to rescue my life when my life is on the line. Look at the next one, Psalms 147. He says, sing to the Lord with, a, with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. I'm going to sing with thankfulness and gratefulness because I am confident that God is going to come through for me. Psalms 59, 16, I will sing of your strength in the morning. I'll sing of your love. This is one of those 24-7 singers. For you are my what? My fortress, my what? My refuge in times of trouble. Is he singing with confidence? He's taking the content of the word in the context of where he's at. And he's, really, he's realizing that now I can sing with confidence. He is going to be my refuge. He's going to be my shelter. When I lift up praise to him, he's going to cover me with his presence. Look at this, Psalms 81.1. Sing for joy to the Lord our strength. Shout what? Allowed to the God of Jacob. And then look at this one. Psalms 57, 7. My heart is what? My heart is confident in you, O oh God. My heart is confident. And he says, I'm so confident, no wonder I can sing your praise. Content plus context equals confident. You want another one? The answer is yes. Okay? Here's one more. Content plus context equals consequence. The consequence of understanding the content and the context of what I'm going through is Psalms 32 verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and you will surround me with songs of deliverance. So when I'm going through stuff in life and I begin to sing 
and worship. And maybe if I can't even sing, but I cut on some, some gospel music or some Christian music that, that really ministers to me, those songs surround me and they hide me in the presence of God. Look at this one. Psalms 5.11 says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for, for joy. Spread your protection over them. Sounds like the other one. For those who love your name may rejoice in you. Now, some of you have been going through some stuff. All right, this one is for you. Psalms 126 says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, they're going to come back in. They're going to return with songs of joy. Why? Because the content in the context of what you're going through has a consequence. And that, that is that you can still sing when you're going through some stuff. Can I, can I get a good amen right there? Okay? Alright? Let me give you one more for con consequence. Alright? Acts chapter 16 verse 25. How's this for consequence? About midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and arguing and saying, God, why are you at? What have you done? Why are we here in jail locked up? No, it said they were praying and they were singing hymns to God. They weren't singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. They were singing, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And the other prisoners started listening to them. And the next scripture says that their singing created an earthquake. And God began to respond with an earthquake. And their chains fell out. And the doors opened. And they just kind of sat there like, my goodness, what in the world's going on? And the jailer runs in. And he's scared for his life because he thinks everybody's going to run out. He said, Paul, it's good, man. Paul says, man, it's good. We're not going anywhere. While you're here, let me tell you about what we've been singing about. And it says the jailer and everybody in his house got saved and got baptized that night because they were singing some, I'll go ahead and say it, some jailhouse rock, right? Okay? All right? There it was, all right? So content plus context equals contact. Content plus context equals confidence. And content plus context equals consequence. It also equals me getting real dry with all those cons. Okay, now, you think about all of that, okay? And, and what we're talking about this morning is if it's you in your car, in your house, in your time of prayer, or if it's you right here on the front row, and you're engaging in worship and praising God, we're realizing the who of who we're worshiping, and we're thinking about that, and we're, we're connecting with God in that moment. And sometimes when we're worshiping God, if you've ever been there, what I'm about to say, just kind of nod your head. Sometimes you're singing and you're worshiping and it just feels like it's going up to the ceiling and bouncing off and coming right back at you. Anybody else been there before? I'm, Lord, I'm singing. Lord, I'm trying. I'm trying to engage, but it seems like there's, there's just a, the, bra the heavens are brass and I just can't connect with you. Here's what I want you to see this morning. What's going on the other side of, of worship. When we lift up worship, when we get the who right, Jesus tells us that there is something that's happening in heaven. Jesus is sitting at a well. He's having a conversation with this woman. And as they begin to talk, the woman recognizes that he's a prophet. And she says, you're not like anybody else who sat down with me before. Number one, you're a man. You're a Jew. I, I don't know why you're doing this. You must be a prophet. And she, she starts a conversation about worship. 
And she says, now I know that the Jews say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. But us Samaritans, we've been worshiping on this mountain all this time. And, and Jesus looks at her and he says, look, give me that verse. He says, a time is coming. And now it's come. He said, it's been coming, but it's come right now because I'm sitting here right beside you. When true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in what? Spirit and truth. A lot of y'all know that a couple of months ago, my, uh, my son Trent, who's 20, who's a junior at Lee University, he went with a group of uh, students, about 100 students to Indonesia and Thailand for a, um, for a missions trip with, with Campus Choir, a, a choir and a worship team. And they went over there for two and a half weeks. And when they went on this trip, I was messaging some of the people who I knew was some of the leaders of the trip, and I was asking them, are any of the services going to be live streamed? And I'm thinking, to be sure, in this day and age, the services will be live streamed, and I'll be able to, it might be 2 o'clock in the morning for me, but I'll be able to watch him singing. And we found out that they weren't, because a lot of the places where they were going to be, there was going to be people from the underground church in China and Vietnam and other places who were there. And so they couldn't live stream the services. But some of the leaders would take pictures of the choir or take short videos and they would put it on Facebook. Now as his dad, thousands of miles on the other side of the planet, do you think I'm looking to see if he's in any of those pictures? Would you be? Absolutely, I pull him up, and the first thing I'm doing, I'm just seeing, is Trent in the picture, okay? Is he still over there with the group, okay? Is he okay? And then I'm looking to see, is he enjoying himself? I mean, you know, there's a lot invested in this trip. A lot of people have given to this trip. Is he enjoying himself? And then I see that. I see some pictures, sightseeing there. And then when, when I start seeing the pictures of worship and the pictures of them in a service, I'm looking to see, is he engaged in worship? Or is he standing in a choir of, you know, 80 people? Is he standing up here like this, like somebody's licked all the red off a sucker? When is it going to be over? And as I'm looking at him, I'm also looking for one thing. I'm looking if I can see, as his father, if I can get a glimpse of what God might be doing in his life at that moment. God the Father, every day, every Sunday morning, every time we come together for worship, is sitting up in heaven and he's looking at every person in this room. If I had time, I'd stop, I'd make eye contact with everyone in the room. I'll do it as quick as I can. And God is looking and he's making eye contact with every person in the room to see if you are engaged in worship. Because just like my son's on the other side of the planet, and I'm looking to see, is he there? I'm looking, first of all, to see, is he there? Is he okay? Oh, God looks down at you to see, is he okay? Is she okay? Are they having a good time? Is, are things going well? Are they walking in my blessings? And then, and then he's looking to see, is he engaged with me? Is he engaged? Is she engaged with what I'm doing? And, and the question for you this morning is, when we come together to worship... And this is true. It's not an if. I'm not even going to say if God does this because it is true. Jesus said that the Father seeks 
It's like he's on the hunt. He's looking. I'm looking to see if there's anybody. I'm looking. I'm seeking. Is there anybody who's worshiping me in spirit and in truth? I'm seeking. I'm looking. I never stop. I'm on the hunt. And he's looking to see who's engaged. And I want to ask you this morning, when he looks at you, are you one of those who are sitting here and you don't have to worship like I worship? You, you might not be hands up and knees down and fully engaged. You may be like the guy y'all laughed at up there who's standing there like this. Are they going to sing another one? How many times do you have to sing that same chorus? My goodness, we know he's good. Or are you like, good night, my back hurts, I'm hungry. I'm thinking about everything else in the world, but what's going on? Am I participating and engaged, or am I just a bystander in what's going on? Now, let's take a very unspiritual turn right here. I told you last week that I confessed, and I'm going to confess again a little bit deeper. You know, y'all might come and get my license this afternoon. But last, last week, I told you that I used to be a professional wrestling fan. Well, I, I, I stopped watching wrestling for years. And then in the late 90s, WCW Monday Nitro came on. And I was a young man. I was a, I'm sorry, I was a worship music leader and youth pastor watching wrestling, okay? And it was kind of like football, you know, for me at the time. I didn't watch that much football, but I enjoyed wrestling, okay? Anybody just nod. You don't have to raise your hand. Just nod at me if you kind of like wrestling too at some point, okay? It's okay, all right? We'll, we'll be together, all right? So, I'm going to tell you how much I liked it. Now y'all really going to get upset. I liked it so much I went to go see it. I paid money <laughs> for something that's not even real. Again, I'm sorry if you didn't know that, all right? So, I go... On a, a Monday Nitro, okay? The, at the time, it was the most watched television show on, uh, on cable TV, Cincinnati, Ohio. I go with some of the friends of mine from the church we went, and somehow I convinced my pastor to go with me. Uh, and and y'all have heard us tell a lot of stories about Jeremy and Ginger Robinson, but, but Jeremy was about four years older than me. He didn't care anything about wrestling, but somehow I convinced Jeremy to go. And he said, I don't know why I'm going, but I'm going for my grandfather because my granddaddy loved wrestling. So I'm just going for my granddaddy. So we get in there and we're watching wrestling and, you know, people, all, the, all the guys are coming out and they're, they're doing this and that. And, and the guys who are with me, we're all like, yeah, come on, baby. Yeah, you know, and we're, we're cheering. I mean, don't look at me like that you know just like you're gonna do with football yesterday with Georgia I mean we're cheering we're getting excited I mean we're like oh my goodness here he comes oh, I didn't know he was gonna be here tonight come on get him get him get him jump off oh, and we're going nuts and my pastor is standing there like this he's just he's not engaged at all and I'm trying to tell him well, the reason why that's a big deal is because this guy beat up that guy's friend. And this week, he's coming out here, and this is, this is amazing. He's, he's, what, what, what? And he's the world champion. And he wasn't the world champion last week. But he's going to put the belt on the line in steel cage tonight. You're not going to believe it. You know, and I'm telling him all this stuff, and he's just there. And the whole night, he was just there. And I thought about that this week when I was preparing for this message with this in mind, that he was just there because he had... No engagement in the story. I was engaged in the story. I had been keeping up with it. And I say the story because we all know for men, wrestling is a men's soap opera, okay? 
I was engaged in the story. I knew the characters. I knew who was good. I knew who was bad. I knew who had the title. I'm sorry, y'all. I I did, all right? I knew all that stuff at the time. I was really into it. But he didn't know any of it. And so he was disengaged with what was going on. He was a bystander because he had no investment in the story. And sometimes I think the reason why Maybe sometimes we're not engaged in worship is because we're bystanders in the story of God. Maybe it's just a week where we've gone and we haven't connected with God at all, all week long, and we come in and we're so uncomfortable because we're like, I I don't know what to do. I, I know I want to engage. I want to worship. I want to lift my hands. I want to sing, but I'm just like... And then, and, then, and then some of us are not there because we're not invested in the story. We don't have a connection to that story at the moment. And I'm going to ask the musicians and, and the singers, the whole worship team, if you guys will come. We're, we're finishing this up. And, and, uh, and, and I, want, I, want, I want you to think about this this morning, okay? If you're here today and maybe you find that a lot of times in worship, okay, you feel disconnected. Maybe a lot of times when somebody else is standing there beside you and they're connected, but you're just kind of not. And, and you never feel like you're connected in the room. I want to tell you this morning that what Jesus said is so true when he said, The Father seeks worshipers, He wants you to connect with Him. He wants you to engage in worship with Him. He wants that next step with you. Because here's the thing, we were all created to have a relationship with Jesus, number one, and to engage with others so they can have a relationship with Jesus. That's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and it's love your neighbor as yourself, the greatest commandment. So if, if you're, if you're, if you're kind of here and, and you don't really engage, this morning I, I just think about that this week. Maybe, maybe that's part of the reason why. And I want to encourage you, you guys start playing. I want to encourage you to understand that that is something that you can do. See, corporate worship is it's not a spectator sport. Corporate worship is not a spectator sport. It's something we engage in. You know how I know it's different? Because I've experienced the other side. Tress and I, through the years, we've gone to some other concerts of all, of all kinds. I should say all kinds because that's probably not good, but... but We've, we've gone to a variety of different concerts through the years. I remember we went to a concert a few years ago. And as the concert was ending, I kind of looked at her and I said, something just don't feel right. I, I said, I feel like there should be an altar call. And it was a secular concert. It was a band. And, and, and the reason why what I meant when I said that was we sat there, we listened to this music, then we enjoyed it. It was a fun concert. But the, it didn't point to anything. It didn't lead to anything. Everybody just left. I've been to other concerts like that where you just, you enjoy the music, but there's no point. And see, my soul, 
wants more than that. My soul needs more than just to sit and listen to a good concert. My soul says, there's something to my singing. I may sing along with, don't stop believing. I may sing along with, take me out to the ballpark. I may sing along with, country roads take me home. But that country road can't take me home. There, there's a difference in the connection that there is between, between us and our Creator. And my prayer for you today is that if you're not in that place, that God will awaken something in your heart today with all this energy that I've been preaching with to say, you know what, There's, there is more. And like I said, you don't have to worship like I do. We all come from different backgrounds. But what we do, and Brad used the word as he opened the service this morning, what we are called to do as believers and as children and people of God is engage. We'll all engage differently, but we're all called to engage with Him. And our focus should be not on what's happening up here, but on who we're singing to. You know, I, I have the tendency a lot of times when I go to other places and, and go and I'm in worship somewhere else, I have a tendency, and if you're a musician or a singer, you do this too. You have a tendency to look at the musicians and the singers. You're wondering, what kind of guitar is that? What's that riff he's playing? I wonder what kind of strings he's playing. What, what kind of heads has he got on those drums? As musicians, a lot of times, we'll do that, won't we, musicians? We'll kind of watch everything that's going on, and we really don't dial in with worship. And as singers, you know, we may, we may just kind of check out on all that. But again, worship is not a spectator sport. It is, we're called to engage in, as we come together, okay? Some of us think, sometimes we think, well, it's, it's about us. Worship is about us. I love this quote that I read this week where Francis Chan, great author, speaker, pastor in our country said this. Look at this, put that up there for me. Random church member leaves and he says, I really didn't like worship today. Pastor Chan says, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. I heard Louis Giglio, who gave that message, that, that uh, definition on worship, say this. It's the last thing I'm going to say. I know I've gone forever. You guys are doing great. When we walk out, we leave here in a few minutes. The conversation that will be in my car is, okay, how did it go today? How did this go? How did that go? Were people engaged? How many did we have? Was it a good day? All those things. But, but Giglio says that for all of us, when we pull out of the parking lot on Sundays, Wednesdays, anytime we come to worship, somebody somewhere, God, change my heart, Lord. I pray it right now. Somebody should be saying, God, what did you think? God, what did you think? Did I, did, am I leaving church exhausted because I gave all I had in worship? God, what did you think in the way I engaged with you? God, what did you think in the offering that I brought today in worship? God, what do you think with with how it went today. The who of worship. If we can engage fully with the who, it'll change everything else. Let's stand together this morning. This song that we learned this morning, I asked them a few weeks ago to learn this song 
And this is one of those songs that kind of get to me. It kind of is a song that I'm kind of chewing on right now. Because I think it's a perfect song for where we're at as a church and what God's saying to us in this season that we're entering in over these next few weeks talking about worship. But I want us to, the, the appropriate way to end a service talking about singing would be to do what? To sing. To practice what we preached and what you heard. You've got seven more minutes, don't you? Yeah, you do. Alright? Let's go back to that first verse and let's sing that first verse, second verse and chorus together.